episode 106 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. My name is Martin Rotler, and I am the Manager of Partnerships and Outreach for Envoy Air in Dallas, Texas, where I've been in this position for about 11 months. I came to Envoy from The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, uh, where I taught classes and also served as the industry relations person for the organization. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Now, you might be listening to yourself being like, whoa, why is Pilot the Pilot on a Thursday? We don't hear him on Thursdays. Well, today is your lucky day. In fact, the next couple of weeks and maybe months will be your lucky day. We are going to be releasing two episodes a week. That's right. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll be releasing new Pilot the Pilot podcast interviews. These are going to be your, your standard interviews where we're going to be sharing stories of great inspirational aviators. Now you might be wondering why. Well, uh, I'm on vacation right now. I'm on a staycation, as you could say. And we have, and I have recorded some pretty amazing episodes. And rather than keep them held up in my computer for a while and they get less relevant, we're deciding to release them now. So every single Tuesday, every single Thursday for the foreseeable future, we're going to be releasing a new episode. And uh, today we are starting with Martin Rottler. You might be thinking, hey, I've heard that name before. You are correct. Martin has been on the podcast before. I think it was a little bit over a year ago. Martin Rottler was my professor at Ohio State. He was my aviation's communications teacher, which is kind of crazy because here I am using communication in my career. So shout out to Martin for that. But Martin and I kind of talk about where we've been in the past. We talk about 2008. We talk about past downturns. We compare it to where it is now. We share our experiences and how we were able to get through them and how we both agree that we see an end to this eventually and that there will be a good career and a good job to have. Martin also goes on to talk about how important it is to make sure you're doing everything you can to continue to learn, to continue to progress in this career, because there will be a career at the end of this, and you want to make sure you are on top of your game to help out. So definitely listen to this stuff. It's some really good information. Martin's currently working at Envoy, and uh, he, yeah, I was just very glad that he was willing to come on and share some of his insights, because he's a really smart guy. It's smarter than me, that's for sure. But Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you do, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can check us out on Instagram, at PilotThePilot. Remember, we're trying to catch Angle for don't tell them because I haven't told them yet. But we're trying to catch Angle Attack. So go ahead and help me out. Share it with everyone. Follow me on Instagram so we can catch Angle Attack. He's about at 42,000. I think we're at 22. So we got a long way to go, but we can do it. I trust in the Aviation Nation. I also want to make sure to give a shout out to the Patreon of the week, Robert Wright. Robert Wright has been a Patreon for a few a few months now, and I'm very thankful for him. So Robert, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your support. Couldn't do it without you, man, and couldn't do it without the rest of the Patreons. If you would like to be a Patreon supporter, go to patreon.com slash pilot to pilot. Aven Asian, I don't want to keep you any longer. So without any further ado, here's episode 106 with Martin Rotler. Martin, what's going on, man? Welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Hey, it's good to be back. Doing well, hunkering down in my home office and uh, sheltering in place down here and nice and warm. Although today it's a little chilly. It's in the 60s. Uh, Sorry to those of you in the north that are dealing with snow right now in this Armageddon April that we're having. Yeah, I was about um, to say, please don't talk about nice weather right now. I think it snowed about three <laughs> inches and it is still snowing outside right now, so you can save it. <laughs> I'm just enjoying the fine Texas weather that we're having. So it's a it's a good time to be down south of wherever that it's snowing right now. <laughs> well said. That's very well said. It is uh, pretty much Columbus, Ohio, and north. So you want to be south of it right now. Yep. 
Always a good thing. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, you mentioned that you are at your home office. So this yes. has affected you. I mean, you're not mm-hmm. a pilot. So it's kind of interesting to talk about the effects of what this is having at the airlines. And obviously there's only so much we can talk about. Like we're not going to get into generalities and specifics and speculation. Uh, like just talk a little bit about how this has affected you personally, how this has affected your colleagues, let alone kind of the, the flight attendant and pilot side. That's kind of well documented, but not necessarily the support staff, the people that work behind the scenes that aren't involved in the flying of an airplane or the operation of a flying aircraft. So obviously the the safety of all of our employees is, and all of the employees in the aviation industry as a whole is tantamount to everything else. And one of the things that came about uh, about a month ago was the idea to kind of help flatten the curve of infection, if you will, is to allow us to work from home. So it's interesting, and it was actually a little bit of a transition for me. I manage recruiting. I manage a cadet program. And up until um, the time we got the orders in mid-March to say, hey, go work from home, um, minimize your time in the office as much as possible if you can, um, I, my team and I were working pretty remotely as it was. As a matter of fact, I got back from a two-and-a-half-week trip for recruitment that covered um, a couple of states as well as a trip home to Colorado to go see family. So I was not in the office for a two and a half week spell of work travel. And then I turned around, was in the office for a week and then working from home. So, you know, it's altered the way we work a little bit. Um, I think you're seeing a lot more of conference calls. We are seeing a lot more use of Zoom and other tools. Um, it's forced some very interesting adaptations. And so the airline industry and the employees of the airline industry are incredibly resilient. Uh, we are hoping and you know, the biggest hope is that things get back to normal. But our, our effects are we just do our normal work more so um, than we do from home. So I have regular calls with my teammates every day. Um, other things come up and we address them via calls. We do Zoom meetings. We do other tools. Um, and it's been an interesting process for us as we've adapted to our work from home. I've got four team members that are right now working from their respective homes in the Dallas area, as well as uh, in Minneapolis. And we can do very much a lot of the same work that we're doing now or that we were doing in the office. We're just doing it from our houses. Um, my biggest adaptation was I went into the office and grabbed some monitors and had to buy a desk. Um, you know, and I moved to Dallas in June of last year. I moved into my house in mid-July, and I had a third bedroom. I'm very fortunate to have the space to be able to have a home office that's separate. But I just put off buying a desk because I was busy and I just didn't want to. And sure enough, this the you know silver lining and all of these weird crises is that it sometimes necessarily causes you to do stuff out of necessity. And so now all of a sudden I have a desk. Now you have a desk and you might be working there for the foreseeable for for the foreseeable <laughs> future. <laughs> and the good news as well, and for those that are from Ohio State or those that might have followed me on Instagram that might have seen my old office at Ohio State. Uh, the model airplane collection is starting to come out of the boxes and find homes. So yes. that's the other nice piece to this is 
if I'm going to be working in this environment, I want to be in the productive, comfortable mode. And that productive, comfortable mode is being surrounded by a bunch of model airplanes. By going full AvGeek, 100% AvGeek. Full, uh, 100% AvGeek, yeah. yes. Uh, it's interesting with your job. So one of the things you do is you are doing outreach. So you're, you're representing Envoy. You are setting up kind of these pathways. You're setting up these relationships with flight schools. Uh, are you still in constant communication with these flight schools? And what is kind of the read on a flight school right now? What is What are they worried about? What are they seeing? Are they just waiting for people to be able to come in? Are they operating kind of as normal? Or what, what kind of vibe are you getting from the flight schools right now? So we, I, I do oversee the Envoy Cadet Program, which we still have um, about 230 or so Envoy Cadets that are flying right now. Um, as cadet instructors with us that are on our staff. And we're not um, looking right now at uh, downsizing that program whatsoever. Uh, we do have, and it's a company-wide uh, hiring freeze in place, so we can't add anyone new to that. Uh, we can't actually officially onboard anyone. Um, but we are actually doing some partial interviews just to keep everybody engaged. So if people are interested, we can do the human resources interview with folks. Um, and that's kind of a way to kind of keep our students engaged and realizing that this is a pipeline. Um, and I, I don't, I can't speak for the flight schools. We see a large number of flight schools that are doing various different mitigation efforts, risk assessments, things like that. Um, certain schools have uh, paused training. Other schools are going training with significant social distancing and disinfecting of their aircraft. Um, I think right now we're kind of in this place, and I think a lot of people are in this place where we're kind of taking a deep breath and waiting to see what's next, um, waiting to see what the next steps in this process are. Um, we did a town hall with our cadets and cadet instructors last week, and I think that was the biggest question was, what's the future? And, you know, I don't have a crystal ball that, that shows the future. Um, I don't think anyone has a crystal ball that shows the future. We, we want to continue to be adaptable. Um, we want to continue to be resilient with regard to how we do things. Um, but we do know as well that for every time that the airlines have stopped hiring in the past, they start hiring again at some point later. Um, so while we are in a pause for hiring right now, um, I think a lot of our cadets and cadet instructors are kind of pausing and looking and saying, okay, my plans for the future are on a little bit of a hold, but they're still planning on continuing to move forward once hiring does start ramping up again. And I think a lot of schools are in that same boat too, where they're pausing and saying, let's be safe first and foremost. Um, but then also let's, uh, see what kind of inkling we have of when things start to pull back again. Right. And I don't have a crystal ball. Like you said, if I did, I'd be using it right now and I'd be telling everyone, Hey, we got two more months left, you know, but knowing the fact that this is a hiring freeze for the, this moment right now, it's not a hiring freezes and we have too many pilots for the future and we're never going to hire again. This is a very, Hopefully, I mean, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but this is a very temporary hiring freeze. Now, we don't know the extension of how long this hiring freeze will last, but we know right now that it's in place. It doesn't mean that there's going to be no jobs in the future. It doesn't mean that, say, you are in flight school or you are in the pool right now to get hired at Envoy or get hired at the, the airline of your dreams. It doesn't mean that your dream is over, your career is over, and it doesn't mean that you should switch. I think 
What's important right now is it's a very scary time. Obviously, I mean, not just for aviation. In the past, it's usually been mainly just aviation that's had like the the, the bulk of the the bad news and the bulk of uh, furloughs. It's really interesting seeing other people use the furlough word because I just always associate that with aviation. But it's very important to just take a deep breath and just take it in and just just remember that, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It's like we've been in a situation where there has been hiring freezes. We've been in situations where where new pilots make $18,000, $16,000 or sleeping on park benches in between flights, shaving in the bathrooms and the terminals. And it's like, <laughs> this is a, we were in a very fortunate time and we will get there again. But it's important to just recognize and see the big picture. It's very hard to kind of take your take yourself out of what's happening right now and, and separate yourself from the fear. But just look at the big picture. You still have 40 years you still have 35 years, 30 years of a great, great career. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, just one of the things I guess is, I guess we're going basing off that, um, talking about 2008, what was, so I've talked a little about my experience. I've talked about how, when I was doing my training, I think that was a couple of years before you came to Ohio state, right? Yes, it was. So I was doing my training. Everyone that I talked to airline pilot wise said, don't do training. Don't train. This is a terrible career. Go go do anything else, literally anything else. If you can see yourself wanting to be a lawyer, go do that. Doctor, anything. Didn't matter. Software engineer, just don't become a pilot. It's not worth it. And it's a terrible career. But it was one of the best times to start your training. It was one of the times where it was probably, I mean, this might be a similar situation, but you were getting crazy bonuses for getting hired at regionals. You were having flows to American. You're seeing 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds getting hired at American, Delta, United, all of the dream jobs. But uh, what was your uh, personal experience of 2008? Because I think that'd be really relatable for someone right now. So I would actually go back to 2006. And I was doing my multi-commercial flying and starting on my CFI at that point in time. And hiring at the regional airlines in 2006, 2007 was going as big of gangbusters, if not more, than it was in the last three to four years. Um, We saw... The difference was that you didn't need restricted ATP minimums to get hired. So there were students that were graduating from schools and flight schools that were going right from their commercial pilot certificates, 250 or 300 hours, to the right seat of a regional job. Now, whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing is up to a very vigorous debate that's not going to be worth having right here or at any point. This is not the podcast for that. Not the podcast for that. Um, But what we saw was people were skipping being flight instructors. And so what ended up happening was people were skipping even having to instruct to build time. Um, And then all of a sudden, 2007, late 2007, early 2008, that spigot started to be shut off. Um, and at that point in time, for me personally, I mean, talked a little bit about my kind of focus and journey and how that came across into the education world on the last time I was on the podcast. But, you know, I was kind of seeing this flow of pilots. I was having some of my own personal, um, just challenges and, and looking at the industry as a whole and looking at where I wanted to go and what I found rewarding. And, you know, I decided at that point to kind of go into, the education side from a personal perspective, but also the opportunity came up and yeah, the airlines were slowly starting to shut down hiring again. Um, and so then I remember it was the fall of 2008. Um, it was when everything really cratered and it was a feeling actually it was really similar. It was a very odd flashback to 
um, the, that fall. And I don't remember, I was driving home from the airport. I was working as a dispatcher. I, uh, was driving home from the airport and I remember listening to NPR on the way home and they had the news flash on about one of the big banks shutting down. And that was the point where it really realized and it really hit was like, Oh my gosh. I think I used some stronger language that was probably not appropriate for the podcast in the car by myself. I have to use our imagination for that one. Yeah, I definitely did. You can fill that in on your own. Yeah. Um, but going, okay, this is real. Um, you know, the the airline pilot world, the aviation world as a whole is up for something unique. And the world as a whole is up for something very unique and very difficult that's going to happen. The, and that lasted. The, the downturn of 2008 was a several-month process to get to where it was. What we saw here this month was it took a month to get to that point. As a matter of fact, it took a few weeks to get to that point um, with where we're at now. Um, But looking at that and looking at what happened and what ended up happening in the next two years from 2008 to 2010, 2011, um, you know, for me personally, it was a lot of different feelings, a lot of different emotions of what am I doing? Why am I still doing this? Do I want to go fly? Do I want to go into education? Why am I still in North Dakota? And not to knock anybody that's from North Dakota, but it's not an easy place to live, particularly in January, um, if you're not from there. Um, But there were just a lot of different feelings and a lot of different emotions and a lot of different plans. Um, but one of the things I can say is, as I was getting ready to, to do this discussion and as I've done some other discussions with our cadets and with some other groups, you know, the plans I made and the actions I took during that time when I was in graduate school, when I was working towards that master's degree, as I was learning and continuing to build my experience in the aviation world and outside of the aviation world really gave me some fantastic opportunities to better equip myself for success when the market turned around. Um, you know, and I think this is another opportunity for that. You know, we are having a situation where everything is at an all stop and, you know, there's a lot of negativity, but we do, and it's human nature. And well, a lot of my, probably former students and maybe my team and other people that I work with sometimes know me as kind of gruff and professional, professional, but sometimes kind of gruff and sometimes kind of grumpy. At the end of the day, I I try to be as optimistic as possible and say, what can I do today to make myself better coming out of this? And that requires a lot of effort. It requires foresight. And I think one of the other big things, and you know, you mentioned the positivity and looking forward. And there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, I think one of the biggest things for students, for aviation professionals, for pilots that are out there, I'll give you permission from my little lowly place in the universe. We can have bad days. We can have days where things are just distraught and you're not sure where you're going and you're not sure what you're doing. But we need to take those bad days and leverage them towards looking for the future. And I think that was a lot of what I did as I was going through is looking for the good, looking for the positive experiences. Um, 
that are out there that we that I've had in the past that I was having at that point in time that I will have in the future. Um, I try my best to be as optimistic as possible. And when we look at the airline industry in particular, one of the biggest things that draws me to the airline world and as someone who spent the majority of the last year on the road, um, traveling quite a bit and spending a lot of time in airplanes in the airline industry and also in other parts of the industry in business aviation, um, you see it in cargo. It's a little bit different story, but we are in the world of transportation and in the airline industry in particular, um, at Envoy, at American, at our other carriers, we're in the business of carrying people to their destinations, regardless of what that might be. Um, we are carrying people that are on their way to the best days of their lives, where they're going to go close a multi-million dollar deal. They're going to go watch their family member graduate or get married or celebrate the birth of a new child or grandchild. And at the same time, we also are tasked with carrying people that are having the worst days on that they might have to their destination, that they might be going to a funeral, might be going to visit a sick relative. But at the same time, our mission and our goal as pilots and as aviation professionals is to ensure that these people can get to their destinations in as much comfort as possible and in as much timeliness as possible. And we will go back to that point where we are continuing to carry people. And even today, our airlines are carrying people that are carrying medically necessity, necessary people to get to places where they can help others. We're carrying cargo. And I mentioned the cargo industry that is carrying not just important things like our Amazon packages from point A to point B, but also things like blood and organs and testing supplies and masks and things like that. Aviation continues to be a key utility and part of that. And the magic of our field is that we're carrying all of these people and all of these goods. And we will continue to do that in the future. And it will come back and it will come back and taking that kind of important job that almost, I don't want to call it a holy job, but that kind of um, a very superbly important task of carrying people and carrying on that story of where people go. It's one of my favorite things about airports is people watching and watching everybody on their journey through wherever they go. And I don't know about you, Justin. I mean, you're still doing a little bit of flying with your job, but I'm starting to get an itch and I've got invitations and people that I want to see and things like that. And I want to do it safely and we'll get back to that soon. Well, and it's really interesting that you bring that up because it's a, it's not only the caring of people, but it's the connecting of people. It's the connecting of moments. It's the connecting of countries. It's connecting of places. And it's just, it's, it goes to, I mean, it can be a pretty deep level, but it's really interesting to call these airlines and anyone in aviation right now is being called on a greater good right now. So they need to to operate because we need to make sure our economy is still going. We need to make sure people that are essential are being connected. We need to make sure that doctors get to here or heart transplants get to there or these medical supplies go from China to here or wherever to wherever and, and everything still needs to be connected. Now, the connections are a little bit more macro. They're a little smaller. They're a little more niche. They're a little more um, kind of centered around making sure we all survive this and making sure that we can get through this to see the, the bigger connections that we'll have in the future. 
but I agree. I, I am, I mean, selfishly, I think other people agree with this. I am ready for it to, to go back to how it was, whatever, whatever our future does look like, because I mean, there probably will be some, some, some growing pains and getting back to quote unquote normal, but there will be a, a new normal or, or normal in the future. Going back to what you're saying about how you were at North Dakota and it was 2006 and you kind of were at a crossroads. You were, you were seeing what you wanted to do and you were trying to put yourself in the best position to market yourself for the future. What would you tell someone right now? Maybe they're in college, maybe they're out of college, maybe they're in flight training, have a degree, whatever it is. How would you tell someone to, or what would you say? Some recommendations for a student pilot or a student to, to put themselves in the best forward. What could they be doing right now to help themselves in the future? So it is difficult to do a little bit with um, the social distancing requirements that are out there, but it is still possible. And I think one of the biggest things that I can recommend that everybody do that's in this aviation boat is keep up your network. Um, Networking is uh, the key to a lot of the success that you'll find. And we talked about this the last time we were on the, I was on the podcast with you. I talk about it consistently. I used to start my classes off with it when I was at Ohio state. Um, Your network is going to be what carries you through this, not just from a professional level, but also from a very personal level as well. Um, You know, I, give a shout out to my friends when I was in grad school that um, we used to go and it was twice a week. We'd go to uh, the Blue Moose, which is a big restaurant in Grand Forks or East Grand Forks, Minnesota for half price appetizers and half price beer. And that was kind of our space to decompress during a week of dealing with whatever the world was throwing at us. Um, Having those kind of like-minded folks that you can go we're all in the same boat, flight instructing, being in aviation, going to school, finishing up school, having that kind of positive group and having that positive group of people that you can bounce back and forth off of is hugely important. Um, today, I can't go to a bar or a restaurant with my friends and shoot the breeze with them over the course of an evening. Instead, we have to do it via Zoom and we have to or Skype or whatever other sources out there. But I think that's going to continue to be important, um, particularly for those of, that are out there that might be quarantined with their families that might not be as inclined to talk about airplanes all the time uh, or significant others that might be inclined to talk about airplanes all the time. Um So, you know, those professional networking pieces are important. I still talk, I, I, I have conversations and calls with my friends and colleagues across the industry. I send text messages every once in a while, checking in with some people. Um, People send me text messages, checking in, and that's important. Um, I think one of the other pieces that you can do on that networking side is if you, are looking for opportunities to get involved, if you're looking for opportunities to um, kind of bolster your skill set, there are a lot of nonprofit organizations, aviation nonprofits that are really kicking into gear some really great virtual opportunity awareness, some really great virtual networking opportunities, um, some other great information sessions. Uh, I've seen, um, I give a shout out to the kind of diversity groups that are out there. Even if you're not a member, you can join as a respectful ally. And that's been a key piece of what I've advocated for for a long time is 
you have women in aviation, NGPA, OBAP, also Latino Pilots Association, um, Professional Asian Pilots Association, and uh, Professional Pilots for Tomorrow. All of these organizations that are in existence to help with that networking and support, the big three, OBAP, NGPA, and Women in Aviation, having really large conferences that were big for hiring. I We don't know what those are going to look like in the future, but if you can become a member and really kind of help a local chapter out or become a part of a local chapter, um, it gives you that community. And it also gives you uh, that opportunity to connect with everything. And when things do kick off again, you know, we've gone from a point where we have a huge demand uh, for pilots and very little supply to the demand is now zero. That demand will come back and it will come back in varying levels. So if you're out there and you're looking at getting a job somewhere, when the demand does come back, it's not going to turn on immediately right back to where it was before. So you need to start looking at ways to kind of set yourself apart from everybody else. And that kind of gets into the second half of not just connections, but also you're bolstering your skill set and bolstering your story uh, for who you are. Um, you know, and that's another um great piece of the puzzle is what are you doing right now? Yeah. I'm going to have days where I'm going to sit at home on the couch and watch Netflix. That's my Saturday plan. Great. I'm going to do it, but I'm also going to go out and I'm going to make sure that I, um, am keeping aware of what's going on around me. I'm keeping aware of aviation news and I'm educating myself with regards to the various different pieces of the airline world and the aviation world that are going on. Um, you know, and I say that with a big caveat as well. Um, you can go a lot of places for a lot of information and you will see any, a quick Google search or a quick search of aviation news, not counting any of the other news that's out there in the world about what's going on, but aviation news of varying, um, levels of detail, varying levels of accuracy, um, you know, I strongly recommend that folks avoid uh, forums as much as possible. I 100% um, that. You know, because that information that's out there is being posted by people that are hiding behind an anonymous name with anonymous intentions and anonymous goals. Um, you know, that's not a great place to find great information. It's a great place to find a lot of conjecture and a lot of people that uh, Monday morning quarterback, um, but it's not the place to go. Um, so I really recommend go out and see, there are some great aviation journalists that are out there. Um, my kind of daily or, or somewhat daily, because depending on when they go out, publish stuff, um, John Astrauer and Courtney Miller, the air current have done some really fantastic articles about um, looking at the data for what we look, what a recovery looks like and the number of airplanes that are parked. Um, I follow several other folks, Brett Snyder, the cranky flyer, as well as some others that really do kind of have a, a more inside track for some of the good information and some of the good data that's out there. Um, because it's important to go and find some of this stuff to make sure that we're educating ourselves to see. Um, 
every story is going to have its purpose. Every story is going to have ways that you can intonate into and read into what's going on. Um, but I just recommend looking at it as much as possible from a holistic perspective and going to the sources that are providing good, accurate, up-to-date data. I agree. And that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I started the, the website aviation and coronavirus news.com is because I haven't, I haven't kept up with it like I should just cause I had to go fly to other stuff, but I wanted the facts out there. So I, I was reading the forums myself and even forums, I'm not even an airline pilot or I don't fly for the the place I'm reading and I'm like getting scared myself. And it's like, Oh my gosh. And they're like, wait a second. Why am I, why am I paying attention to what this guy is, has this crazy dream? I don't know him. I don't know his intentions. I don't know what his plan is for saying what he's saying. And I don't know the facts behind it, but I figured if we could just compile a website where we just have the facts, we just have what is happening, what they are actually doing. And if you can focus on facts, you will be much better in a much healthier state than if you go to the forums. And it's, it's, it's easy to go to the forums and get lost in that because that's what you get a reaction out of. That's what you get kind of a, and you can kind of talk up ideas and you, it's easy to see yourself getting on those forums and looking into that information, but just focus on the facts, focus on what you can control and focus on what is actually happening right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's, it's incredible to see, and we all react differently, and it's also sometimes just realizing and having the human understanding that humans are reacting to this in real time. Um, this is a hugely traumatic event for everyone, and we need to recognize that and understand that our, 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 our emotions and our feelings of how we are interpreting this in real time are natural to have it's okay to feel scared it's okay to feel doubt it's okay to feel even for those that are lucky enough to be at the top of the seniority list at a company it's okay to feel okay with that um you know and for those that are in that situation you know i always recommend to pay it forward as much as possible um you know and looking at it's a very different situation being and trying to under it's a very different situation and trying to understand for what someone is in the industry right now that's just starting out. Um, aviation schools and universities, most of the aviation universities in the fall had admitted their largest ever classes of aviation students. And so now we have these record-breaking classes of freshmen, and including many that are listening to this right now. And their reaction, they're at the very easy place where there's now probably a pretty easy off-ramp and trying to stop that from happening and saying, look, three years from now when you're getting ready to graduate, the industry is going to look different. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The industry that was in place in January is not the industry that's going to be there in 2022 or 2023 when these kids get ready to graduate. It's understandable. It's fine. We understand that. And we knew that going in. The industry that was in place in 2013 was not the same industry that was in place in 2018. And same thing when you were going to college, when you started in 2008 and getting ready to graduate in 2012, very different industries at those points in time. So, you know, the adaptability, the flexibility, the resilience to continue on, you know, keep up with those dreams, keep up with those hopes, because one of the things that we see is the industry will change. But during the last downturn, we went from people being hired with 250 hours in 2006, and then going into debt and making those $18,000 a year to 10 years later, 2016, 
2017, we have cadet programs where, yeah, you're going to have to fly for a thousand, twelve fifty, or fifteen hundred hours. But oh, by the way, we can offer you a sign-on bonus. We can offer you money. We can offer you other benefits to be able to do that. And what a complete 180 degree difference that was from the last go round. Absolutely. It's, it is different and it's important to, if you get anything from this, like what you said, it's going to be a different industry, but the most important thing to to know and to hold on to is that this industry is still going to be here. We're still going to need pilots. Yes. The pilot shortage, like you said, there was a pilot shortage. There still is going to be some sort of pilot shortage. We don't have enough pilots for these planes in 10 years, 15 years. So there's still going to be a need for you. Um, it's still a career that you should get into. And going back to, to kind of preparing yourself and making sure that you're putting yourself and you're doing everything you can this time. It's like, this is the perfect time for you to do something, to set yourself up apart. If you want to, maybe you set up an Instagram where you are helping furloughed pilots get a job or doing some other things. Just do something creative, create something, make a podcast, make a YouTube channel, do something that you have always wanted to do because this can be something that you could put on your resume. This could be something that could help you take your mind off what's going on. This can be an opportunity for you to create something new, something different and have the opportunity to help people. So it, it's, it's it's a great time to, to use I mean, it's not a great time, you know what I mean? But it, it is a time for someone to use this to Im- improve their their chances of getting their dream job or just improve their life in general if they want to. It's a unique opportunity for you to take the most direst of situations and improve upon yourself and maybe even help out the world in the process. It doesn't just have to be aviation related. And I, I always give the caveat when people talk about podcasts and YouTube channels and things like that. As you do it, be sure you monitor your social media presence very carefully and make sure you're posting things in a professional manner. Um, but, you know, I recommend that if you, and it doesn't just have to be in aviation. I, some of the best management skills that I have and that have allowed me to lead a team in the aviation world and the airline world came from not just my classes, uh, but also came from when I was in grad school working as a bartender, as a bar supervisor, and as a blackjack dealer. You know, learning how to deal with people, learning how to work with people um, gave me significant skills. And that was something that got me over the tide of going to graduate school and and going to classes and going through everything. It gave me skills that were usable for the future. And I also took those opportunities to join organizations and associations. And it's going to be hard because money is always an issue when things like this happen. Um, But even if it's not, you can afford, you can at least sign up for the mailing list. There are potential volunteer opportunities with not just the DNI organizations that I mentioned earlier, but there's NBAA, um, AOPA, EAA, um, other aviation associations and organizations that give you the opportunity to get involved, to get active and to bolster your skills in those ways. Um, You know, I'm a member of AOPA. I'm a member of MBAA. I don't work in the business aviation world, but I'm a member of MBAA. And even with MBAA, just in that particular, they have a members only job board that somehow I'm on the mailing list for. I still see pilot jobs come across. Yeah. There's, there's still select jobs that are, that are open and that are needed. And especially in the cargo world, Ameriflight has been very open that they are hiring and they need more pilots. So, so <laughs> check them you out. Know, 
there are there are differing pieces out there, but once again, it's just a matter of taking the initiative, and I think that's going to be the other big thing as well for the future. You know, if I could look into something resembling a crystal ball, it's going to require more initiative on the part of the individual that's looking to go out and get a job. You used to be able to be very passive. Wow, we would come to you. And we're still wanting to. And we want to. When things get better, we will continue to to do what we need to do as soon as the economy starts turning around and that um, hiring freeze goes away. We will be back. but. It might require some more initiative on your part because, once again, demand has literally gone from insane to zero in almost overnight. It went from insane to zero in a week for most of the carriers that were out there. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to find those ways to improve yourself. And you're also going to have to take the initiative to do that initiative to search out. Um, I will make the the plug as well. I think a lot of the carriers that you see will start to continue to lean on their pipeline programs. Um, so cadet programs, you know, interview pro CJO programs, whatever that might conditional drive offer programs as demand ramps up, I think you'll see companies go with uh, the, the people that they know and that they've worked with before. Um, so I know a lot of the common things that I heard in the last year in my current role and even before when I was working with students at Ohio State was I don't necessarily want to commit to a carrier. Um, and that was something that was very common to hear. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm ready to commit. And you know, for the Envoy Cadet Program, the commitment came once you started getting money. Um, that was when the commitment started really kind of locking into place. Um, but I think now you're going to want to do the research. And as this is another opportunity to educate yourself and keep aware of the changes that are going on. Um, I think having that connection and having that potential commitment will pay off when things start going, uh, and, again and hiring starts again i agree and i think it's also an interesting time for the the pilot themselves to actually look at the companies and see the reaction of the companies to see what how they react how they communicate how they treat their pilots how they treat the people that are the ones that are flying you know because it's it's easy to see you how you're treated in good times everyone wants everyone wants you everything's perfect but as soon as something like this happens and you it's important to to see how a company communicates with their pilots, how they're treated. Um, I guess this is a time for you to kind of like uh, show off a little bit and just talk a little about how Envoy, what you think maybe if you can, about how you think that they're doing to, to doing well with communication, doing well to keep their pilots informed, just, just kind of like what is Envoy kind of doing right now that can help separate them from maybe some of the other carriers out there? I Unfortunately, I can't really talk about the, the pilot side and, and that kind of piece of the puzzle, but you know, from the cadet program side, our recruiters are uh, remain available to answer questions. Um, we remain available to be a sounding board. I am spending a, a portion of my days now answering email questions, you know, just dealing with, uh, and it's not even dealing with, it's just being there to help answer questions about people that are getting ready um, and who's looking at, who are looking at situations and, uh, trying to deal with the reality of where they're at and what they're doing. Um, you know, and I can say 
that we are trying our best to communicate as transparently as possible. And when we don't know things, we don't know things. And there's, there's pieces to that. Um, we have hosted a town hall um, uh, with our cadets and cadet instructors. I mentioned that earlier, um, trying to take in questions that are answered or that are asked about things and address them in a larger setting. We had 193 people on that zoom. Um, so, you know, my recruiters are also going out to our individual partner schools and setting up potential times to discuss with our cadets at those specific schools or just to hang out, just to be there. Um, I think the big thing that I kind of want to inspire from my team and my, my leadership is kind of inspired on, on me is to put the human aspect on this and realize that we are here we are going to be here. Um, we want to make sure that you're a part of the Envoy family. We want to make sure that you are a part of the larger American family as well. Um, and realize that, yeah, the, the hiring has stopped. But when hiring ramps up again, our flow will still be there. It's contractual in nature. Um, when hiring starts up again, the cadet program will be a key part of that hiring model for hiring into Envoy for first officers. Um, and we are still um, keeping in touch with everybody. And we still want to make sure that our cadets have access to their benefits. We want to make sure that our cadets have uh, health insurance and those kind of benefits. Um, we want to make sure that our cadets are being taken care of with their schools. And we want to make sure that our partner schools are being taken care of with regards to questions and answers that they might have as well. Um, so that communication piece, I, I try my best within our internal cadet organization to keep the lines of communication open as news changes, whether it's through town halls or whether it's through emails. Um, but we want to make sure that we keep everybody in the loop as much as we know, as much as possible and as much as we can share. I agree. I think that's pretty much all you can do. I mean, like we said, this is kind of, it's kind of unprecedented times, you know, it's kind of the companies are figuring this out day by day, just like pilots are figuring out this day by day. There's a, a way that a company can make themselves look good in the situation. There's a way the pilot can make themselves look in this situation. So at the end of the day, what the main message is, just be the best version of yourself. Do everything that you can to put yourself in the position to get the job of your dreams. We can't fly right now. Go do flight simulator. Go volunteer. Go go offer your help to someone. Go communicate with people. Go be a mentor with uh, professional pilots at tomorrow. Go go help someone. Go help. Do everything that you can to to increase this this career for other people in the future and uh, help other people out. And I think that would definitely go a long, long way. If you are a pilot that's a student pilot or a flight instructor that's instructing, um, you know, as I was going through 2008, and I think you've mentioned it before with me and the role I kind of helped play, and I'll, I'll toot my own horn with that. But for those of you that are listening out there that are flight instructors, and I'm sure there might be professors as well that are listening to this, um, you know, the instructors, the, the senior, the more senior pilots that are out there, we have a responsibility to be there for everybody else. We have a responsibility ethically and professionally to say, 
I understand what you're going through. I've been there before, or I understand because I'm going through it right now. But what can we do to just help discuss? What can we do to help feel like you have what you need to at least survive? Um, and I think that's part of that's a key part of it. And that's something when I when I should have mentioned this when we were talking about 2008, 2009, 2010. For me, having professors that I could go talk to that helped talk through what was going on, that helped me kind of chart out a course. Um, you know, Jim Higgins was one of those professors for me um, where I could go and chat with him. And I had a few others that I would go in and I'd spend one professor in particular from UND who's no longer there, unfortunately, um, named Ken Fultz, who I would literally go into his office and would disappear for two hours and we'd talk about everything. But having someone like Fultz there to 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 talk about my concerns and someone there to listen and to answer questions and to ask questions back was hugely important. So for those of us that are lucky enough to be in these situations where we have the experience, I pay it forward back. I try my best to because I was that person sitting on the other side of the desk or the other side of that Zoom screen that was sitting there scared to death of what the industry looked like because it was all falling apart. And I would not be where I'm at today if it weren't for those professors. Yeah, and I if think it weren't for the other mentors I had. Yeah, and I think you're not alone in that. I feel like everyone has had a mentor. Everyone has had a professor. Everyone has had a, played a critical role in their career and it's just been a soundboard. So. At the very least, be a soundboard for someone. Just talk about your experience. Talk about things that you've done. Just help someone. I think that's kind of the the overlying theme of what we're talking about is just 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 help. Just do what you can. Everyone everyone now has to pitch in. Uh, we we mentioned this. I think off it's like off air. It's like right now, pilots and employees need to do everything they can do to make sure that their airline is survivable and their airline is gonna gonna see a better day. So it requires everyone just to band together like-minded, like we said, or even if you're not like-minded, we all have one goal and that is aviation. And that is to get back to where we were, get back to even better than where we were before. So right now it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take stuff that we didn't always do before and obviously maintain a safe operating environment if you're a pilot, but we got to do what we got to do. I mean, this is, this is everyone unprecedented territory. So. And I like to go and I'm always a big fan of History, you know, the old quote of those that repeat or those that don't study the past are doomed to repeat the mistakes that were made in it. Um, You know, and that's one of the things that I always look back and I always look back for airline history anecdotes and and I'm an airline history nerd as I, you know, if you ever look in my office, if you're ever lucky enough to come to my house and see I've got posters from the 1950s, original airline posters, but in particular, using the opportunity that you have now to look back at what was going on back in the day and what skills and attitudes and potential things were coming about then um, that could come about now that could play into a role. So, you know, the last piece is if you really want to, there's some great, great um, books and other pieces that are out there of um I think my the number one book that I recommend to everybody is a book called Hard Landing uh, by Thomas Petzinger Jr. Um, that is the go-to source for airline history from the 1950s through 1994 or 95 um, that covers a tumultuous period of time. Um, 
But there's a lot of insight that you could potentially glean from looking back at those historical times um, and taking the opportunity to go look at that because there is some significant things that you can take away from that. Yeah, 100% agree. And we kind of, again, as you said, keep history from repeating itself. Do what you can to, to improve where we are, to prove what we're doing. It also goes to show that the aviation industry has seen some pretty messed up situations they have come they have been counted out they have been written off they have been said they're dead and we've come back so there's the history is showing that we will get through this this is something that is temporary we don't know how long it's going to last we're in the middle of it like we said earlier it's hard to take ourselves out of the situation and understand that this is a temporary thing but it, it it's where we're at right now but we're going to get through it there's going to be a better career there's going to be a better job there's going to be a job and uh, just do what you can right now to put yourself in the best position and uh, continue to, to improve. There is, and there is something to be said for the millennials and it's not even millennials anymore. Cause Justin, you and I are millennials and we're pretty far removed from college. Um, but there's a lot to be said. I mean, a lot of folks kind of have been customized to expect the instant gratification that comes from the aviation industry. And, I think having a little patience and having a little understanding with the way the world is working right now is going to go a long way as well. It will help make your life significantly easier. It will also help uh, kind of set yourself apart from others by not demanding something right now. Um, Understanding that, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time. And What am I going to do with that? A little bit of time too. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that it was, I mean, Aviation, in a, in a way, is always delayed gratification. It was kind of uh, the gratification was kind of increased a little bit. I know the time limit went up, but the the reward was sweeter, you know. So you got that sweet bonus. You're flying that sweet, nice jet, you know. You're not flying that crappy turboprop anymore or whatever it is. But it's important to remember that aviation is a delayed gratification historically. I mean, it takes a while to to really enjoy, not enjoy, but it takes a while to get to like the 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 pinnacle of your career. And it's kind of been that way for a while. So I think that we saw for a couple of years that things are increased a little bit, but they might be increased again in the future, but it's part of the industry. So I agree. Perfect. Definitely. I think that's, uh, those are pretty much all the the talking points I had. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to bring up at all or kind of uh, to, to talk on? I don't think so. Well, Martin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I think that this conversation was needed to have. I think it's a good reminder. I think that it's a good uh, conversation to show people that A, this has happened before. B, there's still something you can do in the situation to to um, put yourself in the best position possible for your future job. And C, to go back and help out. Go be a mentor to someone. Go volunteer. Go do anything you can. Uh, make sure it's safe, of course, but just go help. Just go do something and uh, it's going to pay off for you in the future. Exactly. Follow those social distancing guidelines, but do make the world a better place and try to make the world a better place. Agreed. Whether it's the aviation world or the world in general. Agreed. Kind of said it better myself. And like we talked about, there is going to be a job for you in the future. We will need pilots. So if you are thinking about quitting this job, just know that we will see <laughs> we will see this bounce back. We will have some kind of future here. So it's definitely don't write it off because we've been written off before and we've proven to be resilient. So stick with it. And uh, you'll have a great career. Aviation is one of those great industries that will chew you up and spit you out. But at the end of the day, leave you feeling much greater than when you did. And we still operate in the magic and wonder of flight. Agreed. Could have said it better myself, man. Job. <laughs> well, Martin, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. This pleasure. is uh, going to be a good talk. So I appreciate it. 
Thank you, Justin. And thanks to uh, AV Nation for everything that you are doing and keep up the work. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Aviation, that is a wrap of episode number 106 with Martin Rotler. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you did, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Instagram at PyOutThePilot. Make sure you follow us as well. And you can also head to our Twitter, Facebook, Patreon account, whatever you want to do. Please check it out. Share it with your friends. Like I said earlier, every Tuesday, every Thursday, we're going to have some new content for you. So I hope you enjoy. Please share this with everyone. And yeah, that's about all I have for you today, Aviation. I hope you have a great Thursday and we'll see you on Tuesday with a brand new episode. We're talking with Pietro. He is the very first pilot to have a first class medical with type 1 diabetes who is on insulin. So it's a great, great episode. I'm really excited to share his story. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great day. And as always, happy flying.